you made it to level two, deeper questions leading to deeper answers. I'm Tomas Garza, and I'm here to help you decide to transform. I'll be setting the pace for the process to support your unfolding. Learn and commit to a practice that brings simplicity and an awareness of what is ready to be released. Join me now and allow the experience of a deeper sense of love. Hello and welcome to Decide to Transform. I'm your host, Tomas Garza, and I hope wherever you are that you're enjoying a beautiful day or a beautiful evening. I have a wonderful guest in store for you today. You are going to love her. This is going to be a high energy conversation. We're going to hit some very deep topics and we're going to do it with a lot of fun laughter, and personality. With my guest today is Michelle Maras, who's joining me from Colorado Springs, Colorado. And Michelle is an international TEDx speaker, a communication trainer, success coach, and host of the podcast Denim and Pearls. She's also a two-time author, and her books are Eat, Drink, and Be Merry, A Glimpse into a Life Well-Lived, and It's Not Luck overcoming you. Michelle is also a TV host. Her show is called Mental Shift on the new channel in the Philippines. So Michelle is a survivor of multiple life challenges and she guides her clients currently to recognize the innate gifts within them, to stop apologizing for what they are not and to step into who they truly are. Now, Michelle's driving thought is that every day is a gift. Tomorrow is never promised. Every moment is an opportunity to be the best version of you, unapologetically. Michelle, this is wonderful. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Welcome to Decide to Transform. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to it's my pleasure. This is going to be a conversation that is going to be very deep and very hard hitting. And I just love your driving thought that every day is a gift and tomorrow is never promised. And on one level, of course, that's true. But how long has this been a driving thought or a mantra, so to speak, for you? Since 2015, when I came out of my pseudo coma, basically, I had a, I was in a car accident in 2014. And for about 18 months, I didn't walk or talk, but I was fully cognizant in my head. And I came to that, that driving thought because right before the car accident, the last thing I said to my children that morning when they went to school was, hurry up, you're late. I didn't tell them I love them. I didn't say anything loving, hurry up, you're late. And when I had that car accident and my brain stopped allowing me to communicate, I remember regretting that my last words were so harsh. And I realized that tomorrow was never promised. It doesn't matter how wonderful your life is, that if you let those last words you speak to someone be harsh, you may regret it your dying days. And I won't let that happen anymore. Okay. Wow. And 18 months, uh, 18 months. I know there are listeners who have been in traumatic 
accidents, including car accidents. But what what happened that um, that rendered you unable to walk for so long? I obtained a traumatic brain injury, so I oh. I uh, my brain had like blockages, so the blood stopped flowing into four different areas of my brain. So I lost my frontal lobe over my left ear, the back of my head, and my two hemispheres had disconnected. So my brain was working, but it wasn't communicating to each other, uh, to each, each side. And then the other part of it was my memories were knocked out of my head. So my memories were piecemealed and my time disappeared. So something that would be, hi, my name is Michelle. And I'd look away and come right back and do, hi, my name is Michelle. And I would just repeat because I would forget that I saw the person in front of me. I, my husband called me a, a Dory from Finding Nemo. Oh. <laughs> but it, it really what happened was my brain stopped communicating with itself. <laughs> and it, it was difficult, but what's nice, the blessing of the difficulty was, it was more difficult on my family because I don't remember. I don't remember. <laughs> So okay. yeah, it was terrible. Eighteen months, but to me, it was a, it felt like a month. Okay, so you don't remember any of the eighteen months. Well, roughly. I re I remember it, but I don't have a time for it. Okay. So right. my husband would leave for work, and he would come home, and I would do hi, and he'd do Michelle. I was gone for nine hours. Mm -hmm. I would think he walked out the door and walked right back in. Gotcha. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So. For, for those who aren't familiar with the physical anatomy of, of the hemispheres of the brain, I mean, what actually happens when they're disconnected and they're not communicating with each other? You don't move. <laughs> oh, I okay. Walk because one side of your brain is the motor function. The other side of the brain makes it all work together. And so actually the back, the, I think it was the back of my head injury, what is what stopped me from walking. I had no balance. And what it's done is it messed with my eyes. So sometimes if I'm tired, even today, if I look out, I can look at it. I guess the best way to say this, if I'm looking at a road and there's that yellow line down the center, the left side would be higher than the right side by about two feet. Okay. So standing made it very difficult because my mm. brain doesn't see it. So I keep falling over because I think I'm, I'm falling to the right. Now, the other part of that brain injury, the hemisphere is disconnecting. Brain thoughts, your, your analysis, things like that are one side of your brain. The communication is on the other side. So although I was processing thoughts, they couldn't come out of my mouth or my hands. I, I couldn't get them out because they weren't talking. So I had all these great thoughts in my head, but it was with me, myself and I, and all my inner critics telling me I wasn't supposed to be here. You, you lost this because you're supposed to die. You're, you're not supposed to be here. You lost your voice because you're, you have nothing worthy to say. And so I fought my inner critics in my head for so long. And that's one of the reasons I wrote, It's Not Luck, Overcoming You. Because I realized that all of my, the things in my head were the only things that were really holding me back. Besides the physical brain trauma, I'm looking at my life thinking of all the things I didn't do I didn't do because of all these inner critics. Well, when I got intimate with those inner critics, I realized that they weren't holding me back. They were challenging me about how much I really wanted something. If I didn't want it, I didn't fight. And that's really what it was. And so I promised myself when I came out of that, I would fight, I would do it. I wouldn't 
I wouldn't hesitate. I would I at least attempt. It, it was a very enlightening experience for me, actually. Okay, yes. And now how much of this time were you in hospital versus um, at home during that period? They sent me home immediately. Okay. Yeah, mm. I, I sat on the couch or in my bed. So from my bed, my husband would walk me downstairs to the couch and leave me there all day. And then I'd have alarms on my phone to tell me to get up, go to the restroom, eat, drink water, you know, everything, mm -hmm. take your pills. And I just sat there until someone picked me, got me and moved me back up. But okay. yeah, they sent me home. I didn't have, I only had a broken rib and I think a twisted ankle. But the brain, what happened is, if you don't know this, your brain is like, jello in a glass bowl, mm -hmm. uh, like a Pyrex bowl. And yes. when I got hit, I'm five foot. So in mm -hmm. my car, my seatbelt wasn't holding me properly. It, it was too high. So when I got hit front, I got that collision, I totaled my car, my engine fell out of my car, but the jostle of it slammed my brain forward into my skull. And then I got hit to the side. So my brain got slammed to the left and the right. And then the airbag hit me at a, you know, 114 miles an hour yeah, and it, yeah. it, it knocked my head back and it severed the bit of blood going into the base of my brain. So my car accident was really, my brain injury was really a cause of poor seatbelt fitting mm. and because of my height and the jostling of my brain. Okay. The bowl. Yes, and well, and anyone that's been in an auto accident can speak to the jostling effect, and it affects all of us differently. But it is—it's violent. It's—it's it's quite violent on on the body. Now, Michelle, you mentioned your inner critics that came at you during this period of time. Now, was that something that was new, or had they been speaking to you prior? Oh, we all have our inner critics that come and talk to us, but I was trapped with one. Mm -hmm. so instead of saying, you know, go away and start doing something else, they were with me and I couldn't leave. And so I became intimate with them because I couldn't get away from them. And, you know, so many of us were really good at hearing that inner critic and everybody, okay, I'm going to go run for a little bit and make it go away. I couldn't run, couldn't get away from it. So I mm. sat and listened, listened to the dialogue and okay. then got very used to the voices and identified who they were. I see. Okay. Well, and that brings up um, an interesting question. You identified who the voices were. Who were the voices? I had about 10. Oh. Mm. Ones I definitely remember is my father, my mother, my seven-year-old me. I liked her. She really, really okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Awesome. And then I had, I had one that was just this little monster, little hairy monster in my head. And whatever I did was wrong. And oh. that's all. And, and so I realized with him, I need to stop listening to that one because everything was wrong. I was not worthy of anything. And then there was another voice. And honestly, I don't know who she is, but I really think she's me, the older me, the wiser me. And mm. she was the one I realized was challenging me. She would say things like, do you really think you can do that. Do you really think you can get up and walk to that other chair? And what she was doing was, I dare you. Mm -hmm. Because she knows how I work. And so she was daring me to try different things while I was supposedly down. And I think her challenging got me to do more than I think your average human would have done. Because she challenged me. 
Okay, interesting. All right. Now, how frequently would this wiser voice show up amidst all the chaos of the others? I can't really tell you because during that time, it was, I told you, I don't have concept of time. So mm, right, right. I, I would feel when they would come on, it was full onslaught, 12 people talking to me at the same time. So okay. it got it got chaotic. I got suicidal. I mean, I was very depressed and very angry. And try being angry when you can't speak. Mm. That was difficult because I'm screaming in my head and no one can hear me and no one can see. And I'm just sitting there like a vegetable. So that was that was frustrating because I'm like, look at me, but no one heard me. Okay. Yeah. yeah it, it was tough. Right. It sounds excruciating. In fact, it sounds very, very tough, which makes, makes all of us listening wonder what happened for you during that time to help you cope, to help you deal when you had all of these voices speaking to you, shouting at the same time. I was writing in my head. Ah. That's what kept me sane. Okay. I was writing, it's not luck overcoming you in my brain. I didn't know I was writing that book. In my head, I was, every time I heard something that the inner critic would say, or one of them would say, I would take a mental note of it. And I do, no, I remember when I was five, I did this, this, and this, so that's wrong. I would prove it wrong with stories that I actually remembered. And then, so I, I just had this journal of of questions and stories that went along with it. And that's really what that book is. It's thoughts that went through my head of how insignificant I was, and then proof to show, no, I can do this because I've done a smaller version of it when I was younger or in the past. And when I came out of that 18 months, now you have to understand 18 months, I'm getting worse and worse. I'm getting angrier and angrier. And at the 18 month point, I'm in the living room by myself, sitting on my, on the couch, can't speak. My dad, my husband's got the TV on. So I'm just looking at this. Actually, I wasn't looking. I was listening because I couldn't watch the TV. I can see the lights on the TV. So I'm listening to music. And I remember looking up to the sky and I got, I started screaming at God in my head. And I was screaming at him. If you hate me this much, just take me away now. Why? Why do you feel the need to torture me? Let me go let me go. And I heard, you're not dead yet. Get up. Okay. And in that split moment that I heard those words and the whole house shook, I saw every time I was hurt, every time I was raped, every time I thought I was abandoned, every time I thought I was being punished, there was someone with me. There was this huge hand across my, my body holding me. And I saw that vision of, you know, that poem when, when I was going through my worst yes. times, why, why did you abandon me? My son, I was carrying you. I realized that all those times that I should have died. And I, I remember thinking back then, why I should have died. Now I know why I didn't. Because I had a guardian with me. Mm -hmm. And I fell to my knees and I said, thank you. Thank you for everything bad. I, I apologize for everything you were trying to kill me. I thank you for every experience. It's made me stronger. Just please, please give me back my brain. Let me walk. I'll do anything you want me to do. I will walk through any door, you know, take my body. Just let me have my brain. Okay. And I 
got home, my husband got home. I was on the computer. I was typing. I was looking for reasons to speak. And he, he's like, what are you doing? How did you get here? I do. I don't know, but I have to speak. He had to speak about what? I said, I don't know. I just know I'm supposed to speak. And we found a, a request for me to go on to TEDx. They asked me to join TEDx. I didn't know what a TEDx was because I was out for 18 months. So I had no idea what it was, but I had promised to say yes. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going because I have to tell you, did Please. you hear the caveat I said to God? I said, give me back my brain. I'll walk through anything. It doesn't matter what you do to my body. Just give me back my brain. Never give caveats. <laughs> <laughs> because yes, I started moving. Yes, I started speaking. And then very shortly later, I found out I had breast cancer. Oh, uh -huh. and they diagnosed me with breast cancer and gave me three months to live. And everyone's like, oh my God, that's terrible. And I said, no, it's not terrible. And they said, why? And I said, I know God's listening. Mm -hmm. He's going to allow me to do and walk through every door that he puts in front of me. And this challenge, this, this cancer, was, do you really mean what you said? It, it was a, it was like a checkmate, checkmate, right? And I'm like, you know what? My body, yes, I don't need my breast. It's okay. But I did realize at that moment that I needed my body to be healthy. For me to walk through every door that I promised, my body had to be healthier than it was. And what this cancer experience did was make me fully aware that in order for my brain to work, my body needed to be just as healthy so I can keep going. So my whole world changed. Yes, I had a double mastectomy, a bilateral mastectomy, but I'm still here and it's been well past three months. So I'm not bitter. Matter of fact, I'm actually thankful for it because it turned on a light that I didn't realize needed to be turned on. Okay. And now I'm brighter for it. All right. Yes. Say some more, if you don't mind, about the light that's been light. turned on. Yeah. Well, one of the things I realized in my captivity in my brain was that I played small all my life. I, when I was little, I was very gregarious. I wanted to be out in front. I wanted to sing in front of everybody. I was always dancing and I was always loud. And I kept being told, shh, you're too loud. Shh, sit down. Shh. Stop taking the light from everybody else. You know, some people need, other people need time. And um, I listened to that and I embedded it into me. So as I got older, whenever opportunities came for me to be in front where I wanted to be, I would say, no, that's not for me. I'm not supposed to do that. Mm -hmm. And I would, I mean, if you look at my past I, in politics, I wouldn't stand in front of people. I would write for other people and let them run you know, things like that. I always step back into the dark and let other people take the light because it wasn't supposed to be my place. I was supposed to be quiet. Now, the light I'm talking about is I wasn't authentically me. Okay. And so that's okay. really my passion with, with my clients is I noticed that well, through my experience that a lot of our pain comes from not stepping into who we really want to be by holding ourselves back from what we really want and we want it so bad that we hold ourselves back that we hurt and then we get sick and then we get depression and then we have anxiety and it's because we're not doing what we want to really do. 
and my passion is to turn the light on. Have people realize their gift that they have for the world, that they are supposed to give, the one that they really want to do, yeah. and encourage them to do it. Because that's what my car accident, that's what my cancer did for me. If you look at my past, yeah, I'm a happy lady. But if you look at me now, I'm almost a supernova. And it's because I live unapologetically. I am me, unapologetic. And I, it's almost like I have no fear of what anyone says about me. If they don't like me, it's okay. If they like me, that's great. If they are indifferent, fine. But I'm going to move through the light I'm supposed to be. Okay. Yes, I love that. And the image of a supernova is beautiful and that comes across by the way it comes across in the way you carry yourself the supernova comes across in the energy level so listeners i, I told you all that this was going to be high impact and high energy so <laughs> we're delivering <laughs> we promised and here we go yes so michelle that's a that's a very powerful image and you work with your clients now on your website you refer to yourself as a truth brick. Now, why don't I ask you about the truth brick? Say some more about that, if you don't mind. I didn't call myself that. The clients called me that. Uh, <laughs> why are you calling me a truth brick? And I said, because you're this pretty smiley lady and you're in front of us and you're talking to us and then you slam us with the truth that we don't want to hear. Mm. And then you force us to actually look at it and we address it. He said, they're like, you know, you are a truth brick. You come out of the blue because you're so pretty, you know, huh, you're so nice and happy. You, you want me to what? <laughs> I'm a truth brick. Okay. Because okay. I, you have to remember with my brain injury, one of the biggest blessings is I have no filter. My frontal lobe is what handles your filter of your brain. That's when it says, maybe you shouldn't say that. I don't have it. It's gone. It's dead. Okay. That is interesting. Yeah, that's very interesting because most of us have a, a very active filter and we have an active voice in our heads that say, oh, you better hold back on that. This is not going to be received well. So for those of us that, that have that active filter, what, what suggestions or what advice do you have for the rest of us that have that dialogue going on? Well, if you're not a really nice person, keep filtering. <laughs> My neurologist says I must be a really nice woman because I have no filter and I'm not swearing. I should have Tourette's. And I don't. You don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they're like, wow, you're either a really nice lady. I'm like, I don't swear. They do. Yeah, but that part of your brain is what stops that kind of stuff and you don't have it. And so for those of you who do have the filter, you know, you would save a lot of stress in the world. If you could, you can candy coat it by making it not so mean, but be candid with people. I mean, a lot of misunderstandings happen because you don't want to hurt their feelings. So you skirt around the issue and then the issue never gets addressed. What I found by not having a filter is we get things done fast. I mean, there are no misunderstandings in my world because people know exactly where I stand. Michelle, do you like that? Da, 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 da? Nope. That's it? Yep. 
really fast conversation. But the old me would have been, well, you know, there is some sort of, um, the, the color is a little nice. And, you know, and sometimes when you, no, as a coach and as a speaker coach, especially for people going on big stages, for me to say, stop, do this, do that, move. Okay, now do this, do that. It makes our coaching sessions very quick. And that's why it's like, listen, I, my whole purpose isn't to make money. Okay. My purpose is to get your voice out there because the world needs you. So when you're working with me, if you want to work for two years on working on something, don't come to me. If you want to have it within six months, have a whole keynote down with multiple talks in it. You want to see me because we're going to run. Are you ready to run? Because I have no filter. I'm not going to coddle you. We are going to go. And I'm going to tell you straight and we're going to fix it. And we're going to go. And some people are like, um, no, I can't work with you. That's okay. But then there are others who do bring it. And it's perfect. I love it. Okay. Yes. The truth bricks. So that's a moniker that they've put on you. But that's very interesting that that filter is actually absent because with so many of us, it's very active. And then some of us who have done a lot of work with that, and it still pops up. <laughs> it's a voice. Well, I still encourage getting hit in the head. It is not no. fun. <laughs> no. no, and yet you have been able to transform that very, very serious injury into a, a calling and a gift to people because it's very clear that the world does need people's voices. I mean, it absolutely 100% does. So when you're working with people, are you working with a certain demographic of people? Are they all entrepreneurs or from a different, um, are, they, are they from all over the place? They tend to be from all over the place. I mean, okay. I I thought my avatar client was, you know, between the ages of 35 and 42, women, 40, you know, uh, female <laughs> mid-executive. And that uh -huh. is not coming to me. It's, it's everything. It's people who have realized I've been playing small and I want to do more. Or I've learned some major lessons in my life and I want to share this with the world. And it's those kind of people. And a, a lot of them are also writing books and they want to be able to talk about their book with passion, with, mm -hmm. with tension and to move audiences. Well, I'm, as you can tell from my voice, I'm a very passionate human. I'm a very emotional human. And I, uh -huh. you know, there's a lot of ebb and flow with me and they mm -hmm. like that and they yeah. say, teach me that. And so that's really what I work with. So yeah, my demographics kind of all over the place. Perfect. I love that. You mentioned one of your books, It's Not Luck, Overcoming You. Now, tell us a little bit more about the second, about Eat, Drink, and Be Merry. It's actually the first book. I wrote that one in a, with my full brain injury. I, was, I didn't even know I had a traumatic brain injury when I wrote that one. Mm. I, had, uh, I, was doing my, I had just done my TEDx, and my TEDx is called Eat, Drink, and Be Merry. Okay. Now, I had just been told you have a brain injury. We really don't know how long you're going to be talking. So enjoy it. And remember I told you I got on the computer and I saw a TEDx. Yes. I yes. did that TEDx October 17th and of that year. That, yeah, that year did that TEDx and it's called Eat, Drink, and Be Merry. When I came off the stage, they were, there was a standing ovation and this lady came up to me. She says, where's your book? And I said, I, I don't have a book. And she said, you better get one. 
And so for the next two weekends, my husband and I compiled all the stories I can think of about my mother-in-law. Because oh. one, of the, one of the voices in my head was my mother-in-law. And she was someone I looked up to from youth. I mean, I'll tell you this part. My husband and I met in high school in the Philippines. Okay. His mother was my substitute math teacher when I was 15. So she was my mentor, my friend, my buddy, everything. And then 10 years later, he proposed to me. So then she became my mother-in-law. And I was so close to her that when I was locked in my head, I kept thinking, well, Mary wouldn't have sat for this. No, Mary would have done this. I wish I did this. I wish I did. And so in my head, a lot of my regrets of my life was I didn't live as exuberantly as she did. So my TEDx is the stories of things that I learned from her that I thought were quirky before, but after having my accident, I realized how important they were. She used to always say, Michelle, you've got to have a plan, but be flexible on the path. And I do, that makes no sense. Okay, of course I have a plan, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 18. How am I going to know a plan? But she was right. I needed to have some sort of direction. That was one, have a plan, but be flexible. The other thing she'd always say, eat dessert first. Ah, mm. And uh, she'd say, I do, what's for breakfast? She has chocolate cake. And I do, really? You mean really eat dessert first? She has no, wear your pearls every day, pull out the fine china. She says, you're not promised tomorrow. Why do you all put things in boxes and store them to some rainy day that never happens? Wear them every day. She says, every day you wake up is a special occasion. She says, if, if I wouldn't get arrested for it, I'd be wearing ball gowns every day. She said, so just be, and don't care what other people think about it. Enjoy those little things in life. And she, says, and she, was, um, she was diagnosed with leukemia. So the other thing she was always talking about with the eat dessert first was one of the biggest things she missed with leukemia is she got diagnosed when we were having children in Europe. So she couldn't travel. Okay. And she couldn't be around her grandchildren. So she said, enjoy the little things, the desserts in life, like the laughter of children, the sound of birds outside. And she says, and for God's sakes, if you, know, you ever get diagnosed with something as horrible as cancer, I want you to live a full life. Don't let the doctors, that, that, that onus on you stop you from living. I want you to live faster and stronger and better yet do it without the cancer diagnosis. And then the last thing she gave me was, it was a quote by Ellen Glasgow. The differences between a rut and the grave are the dimensions. If you find yourself building the dimensions of your grave, you must step out. Life is too short. That one hit me really hard during my brain injury because I was stuck in my head and I had realized, although I thought I was living, I had built the dimensions of my own grave over the past 46 years of my life. Okay. Yeah. Wow. See a very powerful book. It's fun, but it's powerful. And then it gets really, really deep. I love that. Okay. So I think that that illustrates that you can be both powerful and very deep, very impactful and still have fun. Sprinkle the laughter in there or pour it in. And I absolutely love eat dessert first. Yeah. Life is too short to be that serious. You know? Yes. Have fun. Absolutely. Fun and laughter are very good for you. So listeners, eat dessert first. What's your favorite dessert? Literally? Literally. Tiramisu. Tiramisu. Oh. 
but not literally my favorite to, uh, dessert is sitting on the sand with the ocean water hitting my feet. That's my favorite dessert. All right. And do you have a favorite dessert beach? Actually, yes. It's in Boracay, Philippines. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. White sand, crystal blue water. Oh my goodness. It's wonderful. Hmm. It's been a month there. I can't wait to get back. All right. Sounds lovely. Now, is that where you grew up on that beach, Boracay? No. Uh, I grew up at Clark Air Base, Philippines. Okay. So no, nowhere near that beach. But the Philippines is a rather small place to hop around. And beaches were very easy to get to. Okay. That's my favorite beach because it's not populated. It's very secluded. Oh, wonderful. And warm water, I imagine, right? Yeah, we're on the equator. So it's oh, beautiful. So beautiful. Beautiful. Yes, and listeners, we're recording this show in January in the Northern Hemisphere. It's 17 <laughs> degrees out here. It's cold. It's cold. Uh, well, wherever you're listening, if it's cold, think of the beach and call it your dessert beach and definitely, definitely eat dessert first. This book sounds very fun. And the title, again, is Eat, Drink, and Be Merry, A Glimpse into a Life Well-Lived. And that's also to go along with Michelle's other book, It's Not Luck, Overcoming You. Now, you're also a podcast host and a TV host. So how long have you been in the podcasting arena? Actually, I started at uh, National Public Radio in Colorado Springs. And right. I was on uh, KCMJ 93.9. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I left NPR. And I think that was, I want to say it was six years ago. It was, it was right before my car accident or right after my car accident. Okay. And then I transitioned it to a podcast because I didn't like the restrictions of the radio show. And then the, that got shifted. Yeah. Then that got shifted to the TV show. That mental okay. shift became the TV show in the Philippines. But it's simulcasted around the world. It's internet TV. So it's really, I see it as a visual podcast. Mm. And then the other podcast I have is called Denim and Pearls. And my my neighbor and I started it around the COVID started. We okay. were both very extroverted and wanting to talk. And he was working on his yard. I'm like, you haven't seen anybody. You don't have COVID. He has. you haven't seen anybody. You don't have COVID. I said, okay, we'll sit six feet apart and we'll talk. And so we just started sitting and talking. And I'm like, okay, so it's been like a couple of weeks. We haven't seen anybody else but our spouses and our spouses are working from home. We should bring this on the air and do a podcast. Okay. <laughs> But we brought denim and pearls, pearls of wisdom, uh, business casual with pearls of wisdom from the porch, because we both have a huge entrepreneurial background and he's a huge networker. And we're like, why don't we share some of our, you know, it's actually a hundred years of uh, experience and knowledge, but we okay. said to not look so old. We said 40 years because, you know, <laughs> well, it's a hundred years combined, right? Yes. hundred years combined. It's like, wait, that's like 50 and 50. No, we're not that old. No, 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 you're contributing, what, 22, 23 of those, something like that, right? Actually, it was he, it was he that was complaining about the, the years. He's like, wait a minute, I don't want the world to know how old I am. I'm like, I don't think they, I think they can tell. Uh, <laughs> all right. And now, is this a, is this a visual podcast as well? Oh, okay. yeah. We do. So we have the one, we have Denim and Pearls on all major pad, uh, podcast platforms. Mm -hmm. But we also do a video version of it because my thought is to make that one eventually a TV show also. Oh, yeah. 
So we put it up on YouTube because we're, we are very Abbott and Costello. We're a, lot, we're a lot of fun. And what's neat about Denim and Pearls and about Brian and I is we play off of each other really well. Oh, good. And we did the whole audio first and like our visuals are far more intensive. But we kept the, the video side and started uploading it into YouTube because it's fun. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's very fun. And, um, you know, I, I've done some co-hosting as well with my business partner, and I can attest to the playing off of each other. It, it is a lot of fun. So I want to ask you as a podcast host, what, what is your most favorite part about hosting? What do you most love about that role? Honestly, I love the interaction with the audience. Mm -hmm. I really do. Because while, since we're doing it visual, we go live on the Facebook and YouTube and we have a following that comes on and they ask us questions or they, they poke fun at us or they, they'll say, hey, what are you doing with that? Or what's that light do? I mean, people poke fun at us and we answer and poke back. And there's such a wonderful rapport with our, with our audience. And I love okay. the interaction. Yeah, I, I yeah. love that we can get people engaged and do, yeah, I like that thought. Well, what about this? And then they're talking around the world mm -hmm. on our podcast. And so we'll yes, read yes. out, you know, you know, Gurleen from India, she says, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, for those who are only audio. Well, and then the answer is, well, you know, Aaron from Colorado says, blah, 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 blah. What do you all think about this? And then we just keep talking. Yeah, I see us eventually being something like the Carol Burnett show, because it's, mm have way too much fun all right well, this is wonderful and then you record uh do you record once a week um a couple of times a month or every friday at noon we are live all right every friday at noon you're live now and this is on your youtube channel so where would people find your youtube channel here actually it is not on my youtube channel it is on the denim and pearls podcast by itself Love so it. look up denim and pearls podcast okay Denim and Pearls podcast and the time again, Friday at noon, Mountain standard noon time. mountain time. So two o'clock Eastern time, standard time anyway, until everyone changes back up. Yeah. Okay. Well, this sounds like so much fun. Now, uh, Michelle, you also mentioned that you have inspirational videos available on, on your website. Um, so would you just uh, tell us a little bit about that? Well, I'm a spur of the moment thought person. When I see something or if I wake up and I'm inspired to talk about something, I get I wake up with words in my head. Okay. And so I'm live and I'll say something about it. And what I do is I tend to go live on Facebook and YouTube, and then I have it upload straight to my website. So instead of sending people to 15 billion different places, I just say, go to my website. It's my name, michellemoross.com. And there's little buttons. One says inspiration. One will say like uh, like speeches or something. And then the other one's like coaching and training. And so you can go to whatever you're looking for. And then all my social media links are all on the bottom. I have a brain injury, okay? I can't remember when someone says, oh, go to my YouTube, that's blah, 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 blah. And then go to my such and that, that blah, blah, blah. I can't remember it. So I made my website for me. Uh -huh. Everything is in one place. Okay. So I don't have to remember anything else that it's there. 
And so I made it simple. If you need to find me, everything's there. Even if you want to write me, it's there. If you ever want to get on a call and just chat for 15 minutes and find out you know, what we can do together, I've got a button that says book Michelle and you do 15 minute consult, just jump on and, and meet me. And that's really what I do. I like I like how the universe brings me to people like the universe brought me to you. You know, it's just, I don't fight. I let it go. I'm, I'm, I almost like saying I'm a leaf in the water because I just go. Okay. Yeah. A, a leaf in the water. And it's really all about allowing and really is quite a, a bit about flow. And, and those of you listening, if you're resisting, you know, the pain of resistance, because well, um, Michelle, you've dealt with that. We've all dealt with it. And I can attest to the cleanliness and the the simplicity of your website as well. So the, those of you out there listening, it's michellemaras.com. So Michelle, M-I-C-H-E, L-L-E-M-R-A-S, michellemaras.com with inspirational videos. And I'm glad to hear that you built it for yourself because it is quite, well, people used to use the word user-friendly, but it is, it is that, it's navigable. So, yes. <laughs> it is, it's completely navigable. I wonder where, there, just push where you think it would be. That's where it's going to be. <laughs> Yeah, it's a beautiful thing because I think that there are so many websites out there from all different sources, businesses, private individuals that are confusing. Yeah, Yours and, is not. And I don't like drop boxes that have 15 things to read. I, I can't track it. My brain will not, will not calculate it. So it, it stays very simple. Yeah, perfect. And it's a great place to get information to find out more about you, uh, your coaching services, and everything from your TEDx talk to your books. And Michelle, I've learned a great deal. And I really want to thank you for taking the time to appear here on the show today. I've learned, again, so much. And your story is very inspirational. So I know that listeners that choose to work with you are going to get a great, wonderful experience and hopefully the transformation that they're looking for. So thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. Thank you for having me. It was fun. It is. It has been very fun. And before we wrap up, is there anything else that you would like to add for the listeners here? Learn from my fault. And when people say, you know, uh, you went through so much, I'm not like you. Well, no, you don't have to be like me. We're all individuals. That's what the magic of being human is. But what you can learn is to fall, recognize that, hey, I've seen this before. I've heard this before. Let me bounce from where her point was or their point was so I don't hit the ground so hard. So stop apologizing for what you're not. Embrace who you are. Get quiet. Learn to meditate. Find your essence, be the best version of you and be unapologetic about it. Yes. And if you have the filter, listeners, because most of us do, pretend it doesn't exist and be unapologetic and visit michellemaras.com and talk to Michelle about how she can help you. If not, get rid of the filter, move it aside 
Yes, most definitely. Well, Michelle, thank you again. Again, it's been a wonderful, wonderful time. And thank you for joining me. This has been Decide to Transform with Michelle Maras. And I thank all of you for listening wherever you are around the world. I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day. Thank you again for tuning in. Bye.